Book Two, Part Two of Pharsalia, Dramatic Episodes of the Civil Wars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pharsalia by Lucan, translated by J. D. Duff. Book Two, The Flight of Pompeius, Part Two. Meanwhile. Pompeius led his trembling host to fields Campanian, and held the walls first founded by the chief of Trojan race. These chose he for the central seat of war. Some troops dispatching, who might meet the foe where shady Apennine lifts up the ridge of mid-Italia, nearest to the sky upsoaring, with the seas on either hand, the upper and the lower, Pisa's sands breaking the margin of the Tuscan deep. Here bound his mountains. There Anconus towers laved by Dalmatian waves. Rivers immense, and his recesses born, pass on their course to either sea diverging. To the left, Metaurus and Crustumium's torrent fall, and Sana's streams and Ophidus who bursts on Adrian billows, and that mighty flood which, more than all the rivers of the earth, sweeps down the soil and tears the woods away and drains Hesperia's springs. In fabled lore his banks were first by poplar shade enclosed, and when by Phaeton the waning day was drawn in path transverse, and all the heaven blazed with his car aflame, and from the depths of inmost earth were wrapped all other floods, Padus still rolled in pride of stream along. Nile were no larger, but that o'er the sand of level Egypt he spreads out his waves. Nor Ister, if he sought the Scythian main, unhelped upon his journey through the world by tributary waters not his own. But on the right hand, Tiber has his source, deep-flowing Rutaba, Volturnus swift, and Sarnus-breathing vapors of the night rise there, and Lyris with Vistinian waves still gliding through Marcia's shady grove, and Siler flowing through Salernian meads, and Macra's swift unnavigable stream by Luna lost in ocean. On the Alps, whose spurs strike plainwards, and on fields of Gaul, the cloudy heights of Apennine look down in further distance. On his nearer slopes, the Sabine turns the plowshare. Umbrian kine and Marcian fatten, with his pine-clad rocks he girds the tribes of Latinum. Nor leaves Hesperia's soil until the waves that beat on Scylla's cave compel. His southern spurs extend to Juno's temple, and of old stretched further than Italia, till the main or stepped his limits and the lands repelled. But when the seas were joined, Polaris claimed his latest summits for Sicilia's isle. Caesar, in rage for war, rejoicing found foes in Italia. No bloodless steps nor vacant homes had pleased him. So his march were wasted, now the coming war was joined unbroken to the past, 
to force the gates not find them open, fire and sword to bring upon the harvests, not through fields unharmed to pass his legions. This was Caesar's joy, in peaceful guise to march. This was his shame. Italia's cities, doubtful in their choice, though to the earliest onset of the war about to yield, strengthened their walls with mounds and deepest trench encircling, massive stones and bolts of war to hurl upon the foe they place upon the turrets. Magnus most the people's favor held, yet faith with fear fought in their breasts, as when with strident blast a southern tempest has possessed the main and all the billows follow in its track. Then by the storm king smitten, should the earth set Eurus free upon the swollen deep. It shall not yield to him, though cloud and sky confess his strength, but in the former wind still find its master. But their fears prevailed, and Caesar's fortune or their wavering faith. For Libo fled Etruria, Umbria lost her freedom, driving Thermus from her bounds. Great Sulla's son, unworthy of his sire, feared at the name of Caesar. Varus sought the caves and woods, when smote the hostile horse the gates of Oxamon, and splinter driven from Asculum. The victor on his track fled with his standards, soldierless, and thou, Scipio, didst leave Nuceria's citadel deserted though by bravest legions held, sent home by Caesar for the Parthian War, whom Magnus earlier to his kinsmen gave a loan of Roman blood to fight the Gaul. But brave Domitius held firm his post behind Corfinium's ramparts. His the troops who newly levied kept the judgment hall at Milo's trial. When from far the plain rolled up a dusty cloud, beneath whose veil the sheen of armor glistening in the sun revealed a marching host. Dash down, he cried, swift as ye can the bridge that spans the stream. And thou, O river, from thy mountain source, with all thy torrents rushing, planks and beams, ruined and broken on thy foaming breast, bear onward to the sea. The war shall stop here to our triumph, for this headlong chief here first at our firm bidding shall be stayed. He bade his squadrons, speeding from the walls, charge on the bridge in vain. For Caesar saw they sought to free the river from his chains and bar his march, and roused to ire he cried, Were not the walls sufficient? to protect your coward souls? Seek ye by barricades and streams to keep me back? What though the flood of swollen Ganges were across my path? Now Rubicon is past, no stream on earth shall hinder Caesar. Forward, horse and foot, and ere it totters, rush upon the bridge. Urged in their swiftest gallop to the front, dashed the light horse across the sounding plain. And suddenly, as storm and summer, flew a cloud of javelins forth, by sinewy arms hurled at the foe, 
the guard is put to flight, and conquering Caesar, seizing on the bridge, compels the enemy to keep the walls. Now do the mighty engines, soon to hurl gigantic stones, press forward, and the ram creeps neath the ramparts when the gates fly back. And lo, the traitor troops, foul crime in war, yield up their leader. Him they place before his proud compatriot, yet with upright form and scornful features and with noble mien, he asks his death. But Caesar knew his wish was punishment, and pardon was his fear. Live though thou wouldst not, so the chieftain spake, and by my gift unwilling, see the day. Be to my conquered foes the cause of hope, proof of my clemency, or if thou wilt, take arms again, and shouldst thou conquer, count this pardon nothing. Thus he spake, and bade let loose the bands, and set the captive free. Ah, better had he died, and fortune spared the Romans' last dishonor, whose worst doom it is, that he who joined his country's camp and fought with Magnus for the Senate's cause should gain for this a pardon. Yet he curbed his anger, thinking, Wilt thou then to Rome and peaceful scenes degenerate? Rather war, the furious battle and the certain end. Break with life's ties, be Caesar's gift in vain. Pompeius, ignorant that his captain thus was taken, armed his levies newly raised to give his legions strength. And as he thought to sound his trumpets with the coming dawn, to test his soldiers ere he moved his camp, thus in majestic tones their ranks addressed. Soldiers of Rome, avengers of her laws, to whom the Senate gives no private arms, Ask by your voices for the battle sign. Fierce falls the pillage on Hesperian fields, and Gallia's fury or the snowy Alps is poured upon us. Caesar's swords at last are red with Roman blood, but with the wound we gain the better cause. The crime is theirs. No war is this, but for offended Rome we wreck the vengeance as when Catiline lifted against her roofs the flaming brand, and partner in his fury Lentulus and mad Cethegus with his naked arm. Is such thy madness, Caesar, when the fates with great Camillus and Metellus' names might place thine own, dost thou prefer to rank with Marius and Cena? Swift shall be thy fall, as Lepidus before the sword of Catullus, or, who my axis felt, Carbo, now buried in Sicanian tomb, or who, in exile, roused Iberius' hordes, Sertorius. Yet witness heaven with these I hate to rank thee, hate the task that Rome has laid upon me to oppose thy rage. Would that in safety from the Parthian war and Scythian steppes had conquering Crassus come. Then haply hadst thou fallen by the hand that smote vile Spartacus, the robber foe. But if among my triumphs fate has said 
thy conquest shall be written know this heart still sends the life-blood coursing and this arm still vigorously flings the dart afield he deems me slothful caesar thou shalt learn we brook not peace because we lag in war old does he call me fear not ye mine age let me be elder if his soldiers are the highest point a citizen can reach and leave his people free is mine a throne alone were higher whoso would surpass pompeius aims at that both consuls stand here here for battle stand your lawful chiefs and shall this caesar drag the senate down not with such blindness not so lost to shame does fortune rule does he take heart from gaul for years on years rebellious and the life spent there in labor or because he fled rhine's icy torrents and the shifting pools he calls an ocean or unchallenged sought britannia's cliffs then turned his back in flight or does he boast because his citizens were driven in arms to leave their hearths and homes ah vain delusion not from thee they fled my steps they follow mine whose conquering signs swept all the ocean and who ere the moon twice filled her orb and waned compelled to flight the pirate shrinking from the open sea and humbly begging for a narrow home in some poor nook on shore twas i again who happier far than sulla drave to death that king who exiled to the deep recess of scythian pontus held the fates of rome still in the balances where is the land that hath not seen my trophies icy waves of northern phasis hot egyptian shores and where cyan neath its noontide sun knows shade on neither hand all these have learned to fear pompeius and far betus stream last of all floods to join the refluent sea arabia and the warlike hordes that dwell beside the Uexon wave, the famous land that lost the golden fleece, Cilician wastes and Cappadocian, and the Jews who pray before an unknown god, Sophine soft, all felt my yoke. What conquests now remain? What wars not civil can my kinsmen wage? No loud acclaim received his words, nor shout asked for the promised battle, and the chief drew back the standards, for the soldier's fears were in his soul alike, nor dared he trust an army, vanquished by the fame alone of Caesar's powers, to fight for such a prize. And as some bull, his early combat lost, forth driven from the herd, in exile roams through lonely plains or secret forest depths, whets on opposing trunks his growing horn, and proves himself for battle till his neck is ribbed afresh with muscle, then returns defiant of the hind, and victor now leads wheresoe'er he will, 
his lowing bands. Thus Magnus, yielding to a stronger foe, gave up Italia, and sought in flight Brundusium's sheltering battlements. Here of old fled Cretan settlers, when the dusky sail spread the false message of the hero dead. Here, where Hesperia, curving as a bow, draws back her coast, a little tongue of land shuts in with bending horns the sounding main. Yet insecure the spot, unsafe in storm, were it not sheltered by an isle on which the Adriatic billows dash and fall. And tempests lose their strength, on either hand, a craggy cliff opposing breaks the gale that beats upon them, while the ships within, held by their trembling cables, ride secure. Hence to the mariner the boundless deep lies open, whether for Corsera's port he shapes his sails, or for Illyria's shore, and Epidamus facing to the main Ionian. Here, when raging in his might, fierce Adria whelms in foam Calabria's coast, when clouds tempestuous veil Serena's height, the sailor finds a haven. When the chief could find no hope in battle on the soil he now was quitting, and the lofty Alps forbade Iberia, to his son he spake, the eldest scion of that noble stock. Search out the far recesses of the earth, Nile and Euphrates, wheresoe'er the fame of Magnus lives, where through thy father's deeds the people tremble at the name of Rome. Lead to the sea again the pirate bands, rouse Egypt's kings, Tigranes, Holy Mine, and Pharnaces, and all the vagrant tribes of both Armenias, and the Pontic hordes, warlike and fierce, the dwellers on the hills repayan, and by that dead northern marsh, whose frozen surface bears the loaded wain. Why further stay thee? Let the eastern world sound with the war. All cities of the earth conquered by me as vassals, to my camp sent all their levied hosts. And you, whose names within the Latian book recorded stand, Strike for Epirus with the northern wind, and thence in Greece and Macedonian tracks, while winter gives us peace, new strength acquire for coming conflicts. They obey his words, and loose their ships, and launch upon the main. But Caesar's might, intolerant of peace or lengthy armistice, lest now, perchance, the fates might change their edicts, swift pursued the footsteps of his foe. To other men, so many cities taken at a blow, so many strongholds captured, might suffice. And Rome herself, the mistress of the world, lay at his feet the greatest prize of all. Not so with Caesar. Instant on the goal, he fiercely presses, thinking nothing done while aught remained to do. Now in his grasp lay all Italia. But while Magnus stayed upon the utmost shore, his grieving soul deemed all was shared with him. Yet he essayed escape to hinder, and with labor vain 
piled in the greedy main gigantic rocks mountains of earth down to the sandy depths were swallowed by the vortex of the sea just as if eryx and its lofty top were cast into the deep yet not a speck should mark the watery plain or gorus huge split from his summit to his base were plunged in fathomless avernus stagnant pool the billows thus unstemmed twas caesar's will to hew the stately forests and with trees enchained to form a rampart thus of old if fame be true the boastful persian king prepared a way across the rapid strait twixt sestos and abydos and made one the european and the trojan shores and marched upon the waters wind and storm counting as naught but trusting his emprise to one frail bridge so that his ships might pass through middle athos thus a mighty mole of fallen forests grew upon the waves free until then and lofty turrets rose and land usurped the entrance to the main this when pompeius saw with anxious care his soul was filled yet hoping to regain the exit lost and win a wider world wherein to wedge the war on chosen ships he hoists the sails these driven by the wind and drawn by cables fastened to their prows scattered the beams asunder and at night not seldom engines worked by stalwart arms flung flaming torches forth but when the time for secret flight was come no sailor shout rang on the shore no trumpet marked the hour no bugle called the armament to sea already shone the virgin in the sky leading the scorpion in her course whose claws foretell the rising sun when noiseless all they cast the vessels loose no song was heard to greet the anchor wrenched from stubborn sand no captain's order when the lofty mast was raised or yards were bent a silent crew drew down the sails which hung upon the ropes nor shook the mighty cables lest the wind should sound upon them but the chief in prayer thus spake to fortune thou whose high decree has made us exiles from italia's shores grant us at least to leave them yet the fates hardly permitted for a murmur vast came from the ocean as the countless keels furrowed the waters and with ceaseless splash the parted billows rose again and fell then were the gates thrown wide for with the fates the city turned to caesar and the foe seizing the town rushed onward by the pier that circled in the harbor then they knew with shame and sorrow that the fleet was gone and held the open and pompeius flight gave a poor triumph yet was narrower far the channel which gave access to the sea than that euborean strait whose waters laved the shore by chalcis here two ships stuck fast alone of all the fleet the fatal hook grappled their decks 
and drew them to the land. In the first bloodshed of the Civil War, here left a blush upon the ocean wave. As when the famous ship sought Phasis stream, the rocky gates closed in and hardly gripped her flying stern. Then, from the empty sea, the cliffs rebounding to their ancient seat were fixed to move no more. But now the steps of morn approaching tinged the eastern sky with roseate hues. The Pleiades were dim, the wagon of the charioteer grew pale. The planets faded, and the silvery star which ushers in the day was lost in light. Then Magnus halts the deep, yet not the same now are thy fates, as when from every sea thy fleet triumphant swept the pirate pest. Tired of thy conquests, fortune now no more shall smile upon thee. With thy spouse and sons, thy household gods and peoples in thy train, still great in exile in a distant land, thou seekest thy fated fall. Not that the gods wishing to rob thee of a Roman grave decreed the strands of Egypt for thy tomb. T'was Italy they spared, that far away fortune on shores remote might hide her crime, and Roman soil be pure of Magnus' blood. End of Book Two, Part Two